Oh, well, you know what? Seahawks game, whatever. Rain, whatever. I am so glad you're here at church today. It's good to be here to praise Jesus on a Sunday. We have the freedom to do that, and that is a great thing. Amen? Amen. All right, so let's do this. We're going to continue in a series. We're going to continue to unpack the preference to our purpose. Purpose of this church. Purpose of all church is to make disciples. That's what Jesus said. He said, go make disciples. So we made that the purpose of our church. The preference, kind of the phrase or the one word that we added to the back end of that was that we want to do it together. That is our preference. The reason why we want to do it together is because I don't want to do it alone. Um, I like doing it, people, uh, doing it with people. I don't know if I like people. Is that what I just said? I think I almost said that. Um, why do you point at me when you say <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why I point at you. Because <laughs> when it goes bad, Garrett, I just assume it's your fault. That's, that's why. Yeah. So, uh, no, the, what I'm trying to say is I don't wanna, we don't want to do it alone. It's better to do it together. And so that's why we're doing this. So we're kind of unpacking what we mean by that word. And so specifically what we meant by that word, we started last week. We said that we, when we talk about uh, together, we mean together like a Lego. And so we brought out the toys last week and we played Legos up here. And we talked about the fact that like a Lego, we were created to be connected. And like a Lego, we are stronger together. And like a Lego, our connectedness, what we make is communicating something beautiful to the world. And so today we're going to continue that theme and kind of have uh, with another comparison, if you will. I want to talk about together like family. Together like family. Of all the word pictures, of all the metaphors that are used for a church, this one stands head and shoulders above the rest. It stands high up there. In fact, we can't really call it a metaphor because a metaphor is actually something that describes or is like or is similar to. So we are like a light on the hill. We are described that as a church or we are like the body or we are like the bride of Christ. When we're talking family here, family is not metaphorical. It is literal. It's a literal description of the phenomena we know as the church. The church is not like a family. The church is a family. That's what it is. God is literally our father. You are literally, we are literally brothers and sisters in Christ. This is how the early church defined themselves. This is how they described themselves. This is how they identified themselves. And it's evident by the words that they use. In, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the first four books of the New Testament, there is a word that is used to describe someone who follows Jesus, and that is the word disciple. Now, I don't know if you ever noticed this, but it's very interesting that once you hit the book of Acts, which is the fifth book in the New Testament, that word goes away, basically. It disappears, and the word disciple is not seen again, and it is replaced with another word. You know what that word is? Brother, sister. It's family, truly. Family dominates the self-understanding of the early church. It's how they identified themselves. It's who they were, and it's who we are still to this day. We are family. I heard a story about a little girl who went up and asked her mom uh, where humans come from. And the mom was quick to respond and said, well, a long time ago, God created a, a man and woman, Adam and Eve, and, 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 and they had children, and we are descendants of them. And so the girl got the answer 
But apparently she wasn't satisfied because in the next, like, the next couple days, she went to her dad and she said, Dad, where do humans come from? And the dad had an answer too. Unfortunately, it was a different answer. He said that, you know, long time ago, way, 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 way back in the day, there were monkeys and apes and we are descendants and have evolved from them. And so obviously the girl is really confused. And so she goes back to her mom and she says, Mom, I went and I asked a question and you told me that we were created by God and dad told me that we evolved from apes. What's the real deal? And she said, oh, honey, it's really simple. Um, See, look, I told you about my side of the family and your dad (laughs) simply told you about his side of the family. (laughs) Friends, family is messy. We know this to be true. There is good parts about being involved in a family, and there are difficult parts about being involved in a family, and God's family is no different. And so today, this morning, right now, what I want to do is I want to walk through a few things, a few blessings that we receive from being a part of God's family. The first blessing, and probably the biggest one is this. When we join God's family, when we step into this thing, we get a good, good father. That's why we sang that song, and that song is so true. We get a good father. We get to have communication, fellowship with a good father. And I'm not sure if we realize how big a deal this is, but friends, in the Old Testament, way back in the day, they did not address God as father. In fact, there was only one who did, and he he was the Davidic king. He was the only one that was able to appeal to God and use that title. Psalm 89 says this. It says, he, this is God talking, and he's talking about David. He shall cry to me. You are, pause, my father, my God, and the rock of my salvation. No one else had ever used such an intimate term, when addressing God. That is, however, until Jesus stepped on the scene. Now, because of Jesus, we have permission to call God the Father, the God of the universe, by the intimate term, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Now, because of Jesus, we can come to God and pray our Father exactly as Jesus taught us to pray. Because of Jesus, we have been invited into God's family. Look at this right here in 2 Corinthians. It says this, I will be your what? I'll be your father. And you, talking about us, will be my sons and daughters. And who says this? The Lord Almighty. And it gets even better, you guys, in John 3. This is amazing. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And then my favorite part, and that is what we are. Guys, that's amazing. That's huge. It's like a declaration. We are children of God. That is exactly who we are. We have a good, good father. I've been blessed. I know this isn't the case for everyone, but I have been blessed with a good earthly father. It's not perfect, And neither is our relationship perfect. But he is a good man. And he did his best in raising us. And because of, I just appreciate him so much. But I know that for some of you, unfortunately, you have not had this same experience growing up. You did not have a good father. In fact, when you hear the term good father, you may rail against it because you think it's a complete contradiction. 
When you hear the phrase father, you might think absent. You might think overbearing or critical or unsafe. And friends, if that's you, I'm so sorry. I I genuinely want to say I'm so sorry. I I can only imagine what that must have done to you. And it doesn't matter how old you are, I am sure that that pain still remains in some shape or form. Psalm 68 tells us that God wants to be the father to the fatherless. And then if we had a dad who was absent, wasn't there either emotionally or physically, he still wants to be the father to the fatherless. Scripture says this, it says, God decided in advance, all right, in advance, there you are for all my predestination friends, in advance to adopt us, I love that, adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and then here's the best part of that verse, and it gave him great pleasure. You give God great pleasure by being his son and by being his daughter. Some of you who are parents, you know that. You understand that. You have a kid. It doesn't matter what they do. They give you great pleasure. Not all the time, I understand. Not all the time. But because they're your son or your daughter, they give you great pleasure. That is the first blessing we receive as children of God is that, is we have a good father. The second one is this, is what I would call sibling support. When you enter in, To the family of God, you get sibling support. And I want to spend the majority of our time right here sitting on this topic about brothers and sisters and the church. And so let's be honest. When it comes to family, there's always one or two that we have in there that live in the land of nuts, right? A little crazy. You know what I'm talking about. At every family function, you show up and you're like, how am I related to you again? Like, how is this even possible? You, you know what I'm talking about. Like that crazy grandma who, who bit you on Christmas Eve and left marks on your forearm and then, and then kissed your best friend when you were in high school. You know what I'm talking about? No, that's just me. That's just me. <laughs> that's just my family. Okay, there we go. But crazy is what happens in every family. There's always a crazy side. That is family. And friends, it's the same with the church. It really is. There are obviously some brothers and sisters in our family, our church family, that are a little odd, right? They're a little different, and sometimes online, they can even be destructive. And it's because of this, it's because of people today that are, because of some of our people, some of our church, that people are distancing themselves from the church. And this isn't just a trend, this is a mass exodus, They're saying, I don't need the church. I've heard so many people say, I love Jesus, I just don't like the church. Or I love God, but I just don't want to have anything to do with them over there. Or I'll do faith right here. It'll just be me, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father. We're going to do all this together, and the church can go do whatever they want. Friends, that's not only not good, it's not possible if you truly love Jesus. In fact, He even said it wasn't possible. In John 14, Jesus says, if you love me, so if you care for him, if you follow him, if you confess him to be Lord, you will keep my commandments. That's what Jesus said. And then in two chapters later, this is pretty cool, he actually tells us what those commands are. One of them, he said, is this uh, this command I give you. 
Love. Who are we to love? One another. How are we to love? As I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Completely. Without reservation. Sacrifice. That's how Jesus loved us. Friends, this is so important. It is so important. Our horizontal relationships are interwoven. They are tied together to our vertical relationship with God. They are tied together. You cannot have a true love relationship vertically up here. And I'm like, I'm in touch with you, Lord, and not care about your fellow man, not care about your body of believers on the horizontal side of things. They are connected. How we treat each other, how we talk to one another is a reflection of our love relationship with our Father. If we truly love our Father, then we will simultaneously love our siblings for better or for worse. We will love our siblings. And when we do, friends, this is amazing, when we do, when we get together as a church and we walk in unity and we serve together and we worship together and we eat together and we stand together, there is an upside. And the upside, my friends, is not only do sometimes we give support, but we also receive support from our siblings and from our church. We live and are blessed with a powerful family. And so let me see if I can illustrate this to the best of my ability. It looks like Brian decided to show up to second service today. So welcome, my friend. I called for him in first service, and he did not show up. So that was awkward. So, yes. So welcome here. Yeah, it was, thanks. Lack of support. Exactly. All right. This is a solo cup. All right. Solo cup. Red solo cup. Okay. You shouldn't know that song. All right. <laughs> Here's how it works. I'm going to ask Brian to do a favor with this red solo cup that we've all seen. I would like to have Brian, brother, I would like you to stand on it. But when you stand on it, I would like you to not crush my solo cup because it's very important to me. So why don't you give it a go? I did lose weight. You did lose weight. Yeah, you're looking really good. But not enough. (laughs) That's exactly right. All right. All right, yeah, dude. You can't throw the cups at people at the audience. All right, try again. This time, think light thoughts. Think like, you know, think, yeah, yeah, right. Jeez, man. That was like half a second. Yeah, that was bad. All right, so I appreciate you trying. Well, let's try again, okay? Friends, solo cup. You can go through life solo, and if you can't see what I'm doing here, what I am doing is I am stacking cups side by side, red solo cups, one next to the other. As you sit in chairs right now, one next to each other. That's what we're doing right here. It's the same thing. You can go through life in solo cup, and like Brian did right there, the pressure of life, what happens in life, comes on your shoulders. And some of that, when we're by ourselves, we cannot bear that weight, but the blessing of our siblings and the blessing of the church that God has given us and being a part of this family is that when we're standing side by side and we have the foundation of Jesus upon us, we can take the pressure that comes. So if you would, stand on that again and give it a go. There you are. Hmm. Isn't that amazing? Good work. They are not clapping because of your hat. I just want you to know that. (laughs) All right. I got it. I got it. I got it. Thanks, man. All right. 
Truly, my friends, it's a very small, simple illustration. We're not made in this life to live as a solo cup. Pressure will come. You will have somebody step on top of you. You're going to have weight on your shoulders that you're not going to be able to bear. And the joy and the beauty and the blessing of being in a church with God is that we don't have to do it alone. You've heard the phrase, life is better together. We can withstand the pressure if we're standing next to our brothers and our sisters. Now what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk about Arbor specifically. This church, this body, right here. And there is no, just as you know this, you know there is no perfect family that's out there. If you live in the perfect family, please invite me into your family. But there's also no perfect church. There is no perfect church. I will let you down. Somebody in this church will let you down at some point in time. And if you're looking for the perfect church, you have not found it yet, I suggest that you keep looking. Here, we do not strive to be perfect. What we do strive to be, however, is I'd like us to be healthy. I want to be a healthy family. And so let's talk about what a healthy family looks like, a healthy church based off of the over 100 one another commands that are given inside of the New Testament. First thing that a healthy family is, a healthy church family, is that they are committed. They commit to one another. Commit to one another. Friends, I am committed to my family. When I go home, because of my commitment to my wife, I do the dishes. I mow the lawn. I basically do whatever she tells me to do. That's how I've stayed happily married all these years. But when I go home, I also play with my kids. And I discipline my kids because I'm committed and love my kids. And we have fun together and we work together and we serve together. I am committed to them for life. For life. With my wife, with my kids, that's the way that it is. It is the same with the church. The Apostle Paul said, be devoted Be devoted to who? To one another. Who's the one another? It's us, the church. How are we supposed to do that? In love. Be devoted to one another in love. Friends, when when you got baptized, you may not have realized this at the time, but you got baptized into a family. When you got baptized, you were baptized into a family. And oftentimes when we do baptism, what ends up happening is we compare it to a wedding ceremony where you have two individuals that stand up front and what they're doing is they're giving and making a public commitment at that point in time. We say that's the same thing of baptism. You're making a public commitment to Jesus Christ moving forward. And in wedding ceremony, I will almost say this at every single wedding that I'm a part of. I will say that to the couple that is standing right before me, I will say that commitment has brought you to this point, or sorry, uh, sorry, attraction has brought you to this point. Affection has brought you to this point, but it is commitment that will carry you forward. Commitment will carry you forward because we know this. If you're married, you know, you will, the, the feelings, they will go in and they will go out. They will fade, they will come and they will go. There'll be days you, you roll over and you look at your spouse and you're like, what did I do, right? What did I do? And that's when you lean on commitment at that moment in time. And you know that you stand on that. And when you are standing in a wedding ceremony, you're making a public commitment. And guess what comes with it? Extended family, for better or for worse. They're there. It's the same thing that happens in a baptism service. 
There are two questions that I will ask someone who's being baptized right before I baptize them. I will ask them, have you chosen to serve Jesus Christ with all of your life as your Lord and Savior? And they will say yes. And I said, okay. And then the second question is this. Are you committed to following him from now until eternity? And then they would say yes. And I would say, based on that confession of faith, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They go under, they come up, their family, their new extended family cheers for them. It is a commitment. It is a commitment. And we have a real problem because in the church today, there is a lack of commitment. People change churches like I change socks. And I change my socks daily. Well, I don't like what the pastor said right there. He didn't say it in a way that made me feel this way or that way. Or I don't like the worship, that song. It just was, didn't really do much for me, you know. Or I don't like that they did this or said that. I wish they'd do more of this and they would stop doing that. It, we treat the church and churches around like a vending machine, peoples. We put a little investment in, just a tiny bit. I will show up, right? I will show up. And then from that, we make our selection at what church we want to go to. And inevitably, it happens at every vending machine. The thing starts to turn, and your chips get stuck as they come down. And you're frustrated. So what do you do? You shake the vending machine, right? (laughs) You are upset. You kick the vending machine. You curse at the vending machine. I'm joking, but people do this. They talk bad about the church because it doesn't provide them what they need in that moment. And what do they do? They get upset. They turn and they walk away and find a different vending machine. Friends, we don't need to be, this is not how the church should operate. This is not how it should be. My son, a little while ago, this is crazy, he was funny, he was getting disciplined because he was doing something wrong, which is very normal in our household. And he's doing something wrong, and at some point in his frustration, he said to me, I don't want to be a part of this family anymore, I want a new family. <laughs> and so kindly and compassionately, I opened the door and I said, good luck, you know. <laughs> and he's four, but he'll be fine, right? <laughs> No, I did not say that. What I did is I laughed to myself as he's making this declaration. And then I said, buddy, family doesn't work like that. We commit to our family. You are stuck with me and I am stuck with you. And I'm so grateful to be stuck with you. I am glad you're a part of my family. It is commitment. And think about this. When you were younger and you were a kid, you didn't fully appreciate for most of us here, didn't fully appreciate the family you were in, right? I didn't fully appreciate my sister who I had fight after fight after fight with when I was in high school and in junior high. Well, my, my sister is one of my dearest friends now and I love her dearly and my relationships that I had younger, I didn't appreciate it when I was younger but now being over 40 years old, I look at family and my family and I look back and I go, oh man, thank God for all of that. We can't just switch churches on a whim. We can't just, it takes commitment. And when you commit to the church for the long haul, you will find that you will grow in love relationships over the long haul. It will benefit you when you have that kind of support. The first sign of a healthy family is that they are committed to one another. The second is that they will communicate. We have got to communicate with one another. Let me ask you, how's communication going in your home? 
Like if we were to put a microphone in your home and we were to broadcast it here on a Sunday morning, would the church be, you know, edified in that moment? Or would you be terrified in that moment? Communication's difficult. It's difficult in every, little fa- every family that we're in, our, our, li- our small families. It's also difficult at the church. I want us to be of great communication. I want us to communicate with one another the best that we can. And here's how the New Testament instructs us to talk to one another. It tells us that we need to encourage one another, that we need to build one another up, that we should be kind and compassionate to one another, that we should speak truth in love. Friends, we are supposed to speak truth in love. We're still supposed to share what we think. We're still supposed to share truth, but we need to do it in love. Fun one, we should confess our faults to one another. That's always comfortable. We should comfort one another, and we should forgive one another. That's how we should behave. That's how we should communicate. It takes time to get this right as it takes time in our own families to get this right. Friends, that's why we do, I'm going to say it again, the three-minute most uncomfortable greet you've had in your life. Every Sunday morning, I am like a dad saying, we are going to have family dinner and you're going to talk to each other, doggone it. That's what's going to happen. Because if we didn't, you know what would happen? We would all walk in and then we would all walk out. And we wouldn't talk to one another. But that's not the type of church that we want to create. We don't want a big organization. We want a family. And so we're trying to find ways for us to talk and have conversations. Three-minute greed is just one way to do that. We do that in Connection Sundays where we end early so that you guys, and then we bribe you with food. And we say, stay here, eat this. And for some reason, that's the only time you stay, Right? It's so great. And so we're going to do that again at the end of this service. You're going to have time to eat right after service. So look forward to it. It's going to be wonderful. Groups is another way we do that. I've said this. You can sit in rows all you want, and that will only take you so deep. You need to start sitting, and we need to start sitting in circles where we can, we can love on each other, and we can take it to a deeper level, and we can ask right across, knee to knee, eye to eye, how are you doing in your relationship with Jesus? What is he teaching you today? How can I pray for you? How can I support you? Can you pray for me? This is not going well. Will you support me as a sibling? That's what groups are about. Healthy families commit. Healthy families communicate. And third, healthy families collaborate with one another. In my family, growing up, we had chores. Anybody have chores? My Saturday mornings were shot all the time. Dad always brought out the chainsaw, would chop down some tree in the yard, and we would be pulling branches all day long. I don't know how, we, we had a lot of trees, people. A lot of trees. This was every single day. And so when we now have my home, you know what my favorite thing to do is? Work days. I hated it when I was a kid. I love them right now. Every Father's Day, my wife's like, well, what do you want to do for Father's Day? You want to go on a hike with your family? You know, no, I don't want to do that. Want to go on a picnic with your kids? Absolutely not. I don't want to do that. What do you want to do? I want to work, and let's get the projects done around the house together. Doesn't that sound amazing? My kids hate Father's Day. They hate <laughs> Father's Day. But I love it because I love collaborating together and working together. It's the same when it comes to our church. God gave us a big job. It's called the Great Commission. It's great for a reason. It's huge. And around here in this church, to make this little thing run, we have chores to do. 
That's why we have these teams that we ask you to be a part of. These teams are what act, they're the chores of the church. Somebody has to set up these chairs. Somebody has to make sure that the sound works. Somebody has to clean the toilets. Somebody has to prepare the coffee. For heaven's sake, somebody has to prepare the coffee, right? (laughs) And so that's what these teams are for. It's the chores around our house. And I love hearing stories about how people are voluntarily choosing to serve one another on their own. It's amazing. Paul wrote this about collaboration. He said, for you, have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, there it is, a family, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. How? In love. That's how we're supposed to do it. When I was at Northwest College, I lived on the first floor, the 100th floor, on a dorm. I liked dorm living for a little while. It was amazing. And the brothers that we had there, the camaraderie, if you've ever lived in a dorm room, you know what I'm talking about. It's just, it gets to be tight. And we were tight. We loved each other. Um, and, and what was amazing is we'd have all these conversations. We'd stay up at night. And then one afternoon, we were having a conversation with a friend of mine named Tony. And Tony, this is Tony right here. Tony lived on our floor. And Tony is legally blind. So Tony can't see very well. But I'll tell you this, man. Tony has the most beautiful voice that you have ever heard in your life. When that man sings, the world stops. It's amazing. And so Tony, all throughout our dorm, would sing everywhere he went. Everything he did, he was singing. And one day we were having a conversation with Tony, just a few of us, and Tony explained to us that he had never, because he was blind, has never ridden a bike before. And we thought, hey, brother in need, I got a bike. Let's do this. And so we put Tony on a bike. He agreed to it, okay? (laughs) And we started to go outside. We're going to teach him how to ride a bike. As we were out there, the rest of our brothers and even our sisters from other dorms started coming in. I want to help. I want to help. I want to help. We created a runway of people, a large runway. And Tony, my blind friend, got on a bike And he rode the bike straight as he could. And it was awkward. And he kept falling into us. And we kept holding him up. But Tony was able to ride down the street for the first time in his life. In college, he learned how to ride a bike because of the sibling support. It was great collaboration. That's what the church is supposed to do. Paul wrote this. He said, when God's people, talking about siblings, us, are in need, be ready Not just willing, but be ready, prepared to help them. Healthy families uh, commit. They communicate, they collaborate, and they celebrate one another. We do this in our regular families. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate anniversaries. We celebrate graduations. We celebrate promotions. We celebrate. Last night, we celebrated Paisley's 10th birthday by inviting an army of little girls to our house. And I loved it. They all dressed up in black because it was like this cool girl party or whatnot. And then we had a Nerf war. Everybody had Nerf guns and they shot each other. It was beautiful. So we celebrate something. We celebrate my daughter in that. It's the same here on a Sunday morning as a church. Every week we come here to celebrate one thing. And it's not even a thing. It's a person. 
we celebrate Jesus. We celebrate who he is. We celebrate what he's done. And we celebrate what he's currently doing inside of our lives. That's what happens on a Sunday morning. Paul talks about this. He says, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another. So addressing one another, how are we supposed to do this? Like Tony in Psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. That's celebrating together. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I understand that not all families are healthy. I get that. I understand that. But here, as a church family, we want to strive. I desire that we would be a healthy church, a healthy family. Not flashy, not fancy, not big, not extravagant, healthy. Healthy things grow. That's great. But I still want to be healthy before we worry about the growing portion. I want us to start seeing ourselves as a family. I want you to be looking left and right and realize that that's not just the person who walked into this building with you. That is your brother. That is your sister. Can you imagine how that would be if we actually took that literally, like it literally means? Brothers and sisters in Christ. I don't have to imagine because I watched this play out. And I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again because it fits so perfectly. At one point in our life, we saw the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters, step up like I've never seen anyone step up before. When Magnolia, our daughter, got her diagnosis, her brain cancer diagnosis, all of a sudden, our siblings surrounded us. They enveloped us in love. They supported us like I have never seen support before from our church, from our family. People came in and they washed dishes in our house. They organized our bills and took care of our insurance paperwork. We didn't have to deal with any of it so we could focus with our daughter. They mowed our lawn. Not only did they mow our lawn, they reseeded our lawn and like fixed our lawn up, which spoke great to my heart, right? Huge. They ran errands. They vacuumed and spot cleaned our carpet. They sat with us through countless medical consultations to help us to make some of the most impossible decisions I've ever made in my life. They painted, uh, or, or sorry, they didn't, yeah, they painted Monty's nur- or, uh, Percy's nursery at the time. They planted a row of pink flowers in our walkway. I thought that was crazy. They donated hours of professional photography to kind of keep memory of the season. We had somebody who would continually drop balloon and like big balloon animals off at our doorstep, um, and our kids would play with them. Our girls would play with them. They stocked our pantry with to-go snacks for hospital days. They gave my wife and I free babysitting for date nights. They did our laundry, for heaven's sakes. Friends, somebody in the church folded my underwear. (laughs) I want to say thank you, but I also don't ever want you to tell me who you are, if that was you. (laughs) They made us dinners over, for over a year. We had dinners that were given to us over a year. We had house cleaning that came in for over a year. Gifts poured into our house to such a degree that we had to set up multiple folding tables in order to stack them on, in order to organize them. We were invited to Seahawks games and Mariners games by our church to have VIP to meet everyone. We never did it, but we were invited. People donated, I never said the number before, $46,000 
$46,000, not so that we could just pocket it, but so that we could use that money to enjoy the time that we had remaining with Maggie, which is exactly what we did. We spent every penny of that doing stuff with her. For her memorial, people collected fresh magnolias from their yards, brought them to the service. They donated hundreds of glassy babies, painted beautiful and expensive original pieces of art for her, and composed. We had a few songs that were actually composed and recorded. Someone actually made a video game on Maggie's life at one point in time. It was crazy. More than anything, God ministered to us through prayers and through endless compassion of our family. It was amazing. We were constantly met with kindness and sincerity and tenderness at every single turn. We felt the undeniable support of our siblings in a season when we desperately, desperately, desperately needed it. It was the most beautiful and meaningful demonstration of family that I have ever experienced or even heard of. That, my friends, is how family is to be. That's what family's like. That's what healthy families do, and I thank God for my family at the time and right now. The third blessing that we receive, and I will close with this. We have a good father. We have sibling support. And the last thing we receive when we enter into God's family is a glorious inheritance glorious inheritance. This is good news, guys. If you're part of the family of God, we are loaded. We are rich. We have a substantial stash when it comes to inheritance, and all of us get a part of that. Paul wrote this. He said, and since we are his children, we are God's children, we are his heirs. Peter said, all praise to God, who? The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live, and I love this, I did a whole sermon on this, with great expectation. Great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance priceless peoples, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach, I think this is so cool, of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, so in light of all that, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. When we think of inheritance, we often think of money, don't we? We think, take the, the, the parent example. You have a parent that dies, and that parent has left you some so, some way of receiving money, either through a car or a property or a, an account that they pass on to you. It's typically received as money. The riches of our inheritance in the family of God is not money, but in fact, it's the one thing that money cannot buy. Think about this. It's time. Time. Forever with your family. Friends, I would spend a million dollars or more 
if I could have just five minutes, count them down, five minutes with my daughter again. I'd spend a million dollars. If you have lost somebody that you loved and you could not live without, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You would spend anything and everything to be able to just see them again, touch them again, have a conversation, ask, are you okay? I'm okay. I'll see you soon. Whatever you had to do, you would spend that money. The glorious inheritance that we are going to receive is something money cannot buy, but it's exactly what we all desire. And that is time with the people that we love the most. And if you love Jesus and they love Jesus, you can spend eternity together. I remember praying, 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 God, give me just 40 years with my daughter. Heal her so that we can have 40 years. And Jesus is like, ha, I've already answered that prayer. How about forever? It's written in your inheritance. And so we have an opportunity when we come into the family of God, when we receive our inheritance, we will be able to see that grandparent, that friend, that spouse, our kids, those who love Jesus for eternity, you don't need to be separated. You also get to spend it with a good, good father. And his glory is going to light eternity. It's going to light heaven up. We will be there together as siblings. What a glorious inheritance that is. We are blessed, friends. We are blessed, blessed, blessed. And the bottom line is this. Sister Sledge said it perfectly. We are family, okay? We are family. We are not like a family. We are a family. And so my one application, and my wife thought of this last night, is this. As a father would open up his arms to his family and say, get on in here. Get on in. Get in here. And what I mean by that is come on in. Don't sit on the outside of the family. Don't go to the family functions and just sit on the outside and not talk. I mean, dive on in. Join a group. Serve on a team. These are ways that we connect, and that's super, super important. Heck, don't worry about anything that's programmed by us. Just ask the person next to you, would you like to go to lunch? Do you want to watch a Seahawks game together? Let's grab coffee. How about we have dinner together? What are they going to say if you ask them right now? At this point in time, I've laid the groundwork, so ask them. What are you doing for dinner on Tuesday? Because I'm coming over. They're going to be like, okay, here we go. Right? Kind of like built in right now. But this is what I mean. Do natural life on life with each other. It takes some intentionality to get together, to dive on in and get on in there. This is my hope is that we will be a healthy family of God in this place, in this church. It takes intentionality. But I just want to say this. I love you brothers and I love you sisters. I always, always, from the very beginning, wanted to do this thing together. And so let's continue to do it. Let's continue to chart after Jesus with all of our hearts and be grateful for the good, good Father that we have and so thankful that he gave us each other. Amen? Amen. 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 Let's pray.